Pete, episode 34 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with Todd Fox and Matt Kelly. Matt, of course, is the founder of Radical Compliance. Today, we take a deep dive into a blog post Matt wrote earlier this week about a huge foobar by United Airlines. The blog post is entitled United's Policy Management Lessons. It was about an incident where a United gate agent refused admission onto an airplane or boarding onto an airplane by two uh, young girls wearing leggings. We explore what the policy was, what the policy tightrope United was walking on, and how social media really amplifies and accelerates the ability to judge without improving the ability to judge. We have a uh, somewhat detailed discussion on a great line I thought Matt had in the podcast, training values, culture, judgment, funny how those four things keep cropping up. The episode comes in at around 20 minutes. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome back for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. We're with my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly, the founder of Radical Compliance. We take a compliance topic and really take a deep dive into it and go into the weeds. Matt, today I come not to bury United, but to uh, at least listen to some potential praise for them as they continue to provide us with at least lessons for discussions around compliance and ethics. Uh, you wrote about a, a um, social media event that happened uh, to United this weekend, so why don't you take it from there? Yeah, you probably. Um, thank you, Tom. That's the best way to describe it. it is what you said uh, that United. You, I don't necessarily know if I'm praising or criticizing them, but uh, they did give us a very thoughtful lesson for compliance executives about policy management in the modern social media age. So here's what happened. For some of you who may not yet have heard, I bet many people have. Uh, over this past weekend at the Denver International Airport a United gate agent stopped two teenage girls from boarding a United flight from Denver to Minneapolis because they were wearing leggings. Uh, there were actually three girls there, but the third girl, who was only 10, also wearing leggings, um, they told her she couldn't board either unless she put a dress on over her leggings, which that third girl did, and she boarded and flew off to Minneapolis. Uh, the other two did not have some sort of other dress code uh, or some suitable dress, according to United. Uh, so they couldn't board their flight because they were wearing leggings. So now here's one part of what happened is that a rather famous person, uh, her name is Shannon Watts, who is a gun control activist in the United States here. Uh, she witnessed this because she was at the airport and she then quickly tweeted out criticism of United saying that uh, this is ridiculous, people wear leggings all the time, this could be construed as sexist because most people who wear leggings or yoga pants are women. Uh, perhaps this sexualizes uh, young girls that they're being criticized for wearing tight-fitting clothing and so forth and so on. Uh, you can imagine that framing it that way might lead to a social media storm, which is exactly what happened. Um, Shannon Watts' tweet, I think she sent out several, but the tweets that she sent out about this were quickly labeled as leggings gate and then uh, tweeted by thousands and thousands of people, including Patricia Arquette, uh, Chrissy Teigen, who is a, apparently a model who is famous. I didn't know that until somebody pointed it out to me. But 
um, a whole lot of criticism of United. Now, what's interesting and what got overlooked in a lot of this social media storm at first was that these girls were flying as guests of United on some employee pass. Now, I don't know if one of their parents or somebody else in their party was with them. Was that the United employee who would let them fly for free as a guest? But regardless, um, United has a policy specifically for people flying on employee passes that they do have a higher standard of dress code when they are flying that does actually prohibit leggings. Uh, that's very clear. And so the gate agent then denied them boarding because they were in violation of this policy. Regardless of what you think of this policy or not, it just calls into sharp relief how difficult policy management might be in the future when everything is operating under this microscopic lens. And that's, that's where we are. So uh, let me just see if I can unpack a couple of things here, um, Matt. So the first is that there was a policy, and that policy uh, in writing, apparently, and that policy mm -hmm. is left to the individual employee or the appropriate level of employee to interpret going forward. So what do you think of, of that? Is Does that empower the, the employee, or does it get the employer in trouble when you allow employees that level of discretion? Well, uh, the correct answer, I think, is both. Um, <laughs> you could be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 everybody listening, if you're a compliance professional, you travel all the time, you already know that the gate agent always has a tremendous amount of discretion. Um, and I can't say that is wrong. Um, I do think that you need to empower employees to make good judgments about a corporate policy and how to interpret it, including when to grant an exception. Now, that said, I think that United has to be aware, and I suspect they probably were aware at some theoretical level, that if you empower employees to interpret policy with a lot of judgment, you will occasionally wind up with decisions that somebody somewhere doesn't like. I didn't say that the policy decision here was wrong. I just said that some people wouldn't like it, which clearly is the case. And social media acts as this magnifying lens to make that dislike much easier to spread, much easier to be misinterpreted. It goes viral. And suddenly the, com the company winds up with a publicity headache that it needs to address. But you know, did the United did the United Gate agent did this person actually misinterpret the policy? No, it says don't you wear leggings. Did they act inappropriately? Did they misapply their judgment? It's not for me to say. I don't think there are enough facts out there. And even if there were facts, it's not my airline. I wasn't on the flight. But um, you know, you have to appreciate the difficult spot that social media puts policy management into these days. And that's not going to change. And that's the compliance officer's uh, point here, I think, that we need to be aware of what modern policy management is really like. So that really goes, or now I'd, now I'd like to move to really the third part of your blog post. And of course, we'll link to it in the show notes, which is you just touched on what social media does. And it brings a level of scrutiny and amplification at the same time to almost any issue. Uh, my initial uh, response would have been something along the lines of, 
uh, having a policy, following the policy, if additional resources were needed to brought, be brought to bear, you would have a process that the gate agent could do so uh, in a long way of saying that there's a process by which the policy can be applied, examined, or accepted to. But is that even possible in today's uh, kind of 24-7 social media cycle, or do you see something different? Well, I think that the big variable here, the big resource that is uh, trickling through people's fingers through all of this situation is time. Um, you know, how much can you, how much time can you take to evaluate the policy and the facts directly in front of you and then decide, do we enforce it or do we grant an exception? Well, 30 or 40 years ago, for many different policies, you had a lot of time to be able to weigh out what you should do. And in the social media age, no, you don't. You have almost no time. And even then, specifically here, when you're talking about a gate agent with a flight, you don't have a lot of time under the best of circumstances. Um, really, what this underlines, I think, is that if you have less time to make a decision, then it really increases the importance of employees' judgment an understanding of what the company's values and priorities are so they can make that decision more quickly. And when it leaves some group unhappy, which almost always, there's somebody somewhere going to be unhappy. There's a lot of people on social media. It's very easy to get grumpy about something when you see it on social media. You know, you, the company needs to be able to demonstrate that what it's done is in adherence with what it wants to do call it corporate values, call it corporate priorities or its mission statement or anything else. But, you know, it really is about are we clear in what our priorities and our objectives are and what United stands for, a, a higher level of dress for people flying as representatives of United on the free employee pass that they have? Uh, or is it good common sense? Because there's plenty of argument to say that a 10-year-old wearing leggings is not necessarily an inappropriate dress. I don't know enough about these other teenagers or the facts of what they were or were not wearing. We don't know. We just know leggings. That's vague. Um, but so it's it's not necessarily appropriate for people to judge, but it's very easy for us and it comes naturally to humans. So it's more about the company's ability to withstand a judgment other people will disagree with. And that, that's that's what rolls around in my mind here. So, Matt, uh, you wrote one of the most insightful a uh, couple of lines that I have seen you write, and in, in, it was included in this post, and really as insightful as I've seen in a long time, and I'll direct your attention to it, because it's your last two lines, which read, training, values, culture, and judgment. Funny how those four things keep cropping up, isn't it? And you just explained how all of those four tie together, and they tie together or uh, if we can use the DOJ's most recent favorite word, operationalize throughout the corporation, because the corporation has to set its values, or, or first of all, it has to decide what its culture is, then set its values based on that culture, then train on that uh, those values and that culture. But you have to allow the judgment of the individual employee to implement all of those. So I was really struck by you know th those four points and how. They are not just uh, the um, omnipotent 
uh, uh, corporation, all-knowing, all-seeing in the cloud, this really drives down to the individual employee. And, and from what, what I took from this is the compliance practitioner's role in all four of those points. You know, it, it is, yeah. Um, really, the, the lines that I wrote and that you, you said were so insightful, thank you, um, you know, they, what they get at is that the one thing companies do not have much of and that they need to use as sparingly as possible is time. And that's it. Uh, so therefore, all the other things that you need to have in place to make judicious use of an employee's time are training, values, culture, and judgment. And then they will know when a certain set of facts come up, which a compliance officer is not going to be able to anticipate. They'll know what they should do, that it will be in step with what the company wants them to do. Company is going to need to be prepared to support that employee and defend its actions. All social media does is make that defense sometimes more of an ordeal. Um, I thought one of the more insightful lines that I had in this post was a few paragraphs up where it says social media is the escape valve for all of the increased transparency into corporate actions and behavior that now exists. You know, we all talk about transparency and within an enterprise, you have an awful lot of transparency into what's going on. Now, how does that sneak out? It sneaks out by social media. Somebody somewhere doesn't like it, shotguns it onto the internet, on Twitter, and then people start to talk about it. It doesn't matter that they're misunderstanding you. It doesn't matter that they might not appreciate context or history. Once the conversation begins there, it takes off on its own. Sometimes they may be accurate. Sometimes they may not. You might not even like the conversation, even if it is accurate. It doesn't matter. It's the escape valve. You need to make sure that everything that's happening before somebody twists the escape valve doesn't even have to be an employee. It wasn't in this case. But you need to make sure training, values, culture, judgment, are they all working properly so that the employee is just doing the right thing in that moment? If I could maybe look at this with a more anti-bribery, anti-corruption analysis that uh, we typically take, um, the highest risk of an airline, uh, I would have to say, is safety. But it's mm -hmm. also a consumer, uh, it provides a consumer service or a consumer product. And so you have a consumer touch point. And for better or worse, as you, as you noted, the gate agent is the representative of the company for many of us. Uh, maybe one of the most visible ones other than this, the stewards and uh, other flight attendants, rather, and pilots that we might see and interact with. So the gate agent is may be the highest risk for an interaction with the consuming public. And so that would seem to me to lead to, if that's uh, true or correct, you would want to give that person who has the highest risk of an interaction uh, the most training on how to not only interact with the public, but articulate co corporate culture and the values through training. So it seems to me that uh, really using that type of analysis uh, of a high risk, you're going to have multiple high risks for any company that uh, sells products or uh, services to, a to the consuming public. And you might want to move those employees who are public-facing or consumer-facing to a higher level of training for this type of situation, because you're absolutely right. Not only can no compliance officer ever anticipate every situation, but no policy and procedures or even um, 
uh, written statement can anticipate that. So you you have to have general values and then train your employees on those values, have them interpret those to the consuming public, and as you also noted, back that employee up uh, on their decision. If they need additional training, provide those resources to them. I, I agree entirely. I think it's an excellent point, and it's made very clear in the Justice Department's guidelines about an effective compliance program. You want this to be a risk-based program. You've put some thought into what are our biggest risks. And for an airline, other than safety, which is a sort of behind-the-scenes risk, uh, their next biggest risk is dealing with consumers in some way that will um, lead to some sort of unwanted publicity or uh, you know, some unfair action that might lead to litigation or a complaint or I don't know what. But the people who interact with them the most are gate agents. So they deserve a tremendous amount of training to be able to make these decisions on the fly. I don't think it's an easy job at all because, you know, what was the next person who talked to that gate agent? What was their issue? What was the one before? They are constantly dealing with all sorts of unpredictable scenarios at the gate. And so in the same way, if we want to bring it closer to anti-corruption, you have to train these employees who are interacting with foreign officials. Do they know when they're offering a bribe or do they slip into it by mistake? Do they know when they're getting a bribe suggestion? Do they know where they should be looking for bribes? Do they know how to explain their way out without creating an awkward situation for the company? How to decline taking a bribe or offering it? All these sorts of things. Same sort of core issues. What is our training? What is our value, our culture? And how does the employee make the good judgment at the moment? Because you're right. Compliance officer is not going to anticipate every situation, probably not by a long shot. Well, Matt, I want to give you a special kudos today for uh, taking something that um, could be construed as relatively minor, uh, even if it was a, a social media windstorm for, for a little while, and really giving us an opportunity to explore this as uh, many different levels of lessons for a corporation. It's just a fascinating study in how the smallest thing uh, can really mushroom almost immediately. You know, it, it really is. Um, you know, I heard about it on Sunday afternoon, a few hours after this happened. Shows you the power of social media. It probably about five or six hours after it happened, it was already all over the news. And, um, you know, there are more examples relevant to compliance officers out there than people might think. You can stumble into them in all sorts of places. Well, Matt, I can hardly wait to see what next week brings us to talk about. Yeah, it'll be something, I'm sure. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Matt. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have enjoyed this episode, I hope you will rate this podcast as it would help our rankings and help get the word out about not only this podcast, but my much broader compliance network, the only network of compliance podcasts. Also, if you have any questions, please email me. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Matt Kelly's at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.